0: You know, I just don't think we have a lot of language around it. We don't necessarily know what to do with it. You know, I was driving here uh, this evening to come and I just was really struck how people across this nation are lamenting at the moment and they have been. And we need to be people that can help give them language to that and help give them a framework of that God is still on the throne despite the pain and the suffering you feel. And even long before the pandemic, I feel like our region has been a region that has, that laments. You think about the history of the economy up here, industry. You know, Newcastle is a a bit of a bubble in the center, but you go out, you don't have to travel far to find towns and villages that are really struggling. I think Dave told us recently that one in three children in the northeast now live in poverty. You know, we, we, we are based in a region where people have serious struggles and they're in pain. You know, we, at the Biker Pantry, we serve people that are in need through grass boots, through the food bank we've run. We have been able to serve people in need. And I feel, I really feel like as, as the people of God, we need to be able to grapple with lament so we can go out onto the streets and help people as they lament and point them to Jesus. It's rare for us to sing about lament in worship. Again, it's, it's just not it's something we sing about a lot. It's difficult to write songs about lament. I mean, it is just a difficult... Uh, topic isn't it to engage with we know that in the Psalms I think it's about a quarter of the Psalms are Psalms of lament so you know we can read the Bible We think well you know the Psalms there's a lot of it in there so we should probably do it too but then we don't really know what how to do it and so (laughs) we don't necessarily follow that through you know our lives have been really complicated in the last 18 months and I really feel like we need to give ourselves space to process a lot of the stuff we've been through we know that Jesus has the victory and this is the tension we live in this is what we talked about in our kingdom of God series a few months ago we know Jesus has the victory we know that he inaugurated uh, the age to come when he died and rose again so we know that and so when we sing about the victory of Jesus we are declaring truth but we also know that people die from cancer we know that there is poverty there is pain and we live in that in between And so tonight I want to basically try and explain to us how lament can help us navigate the wilderness of our grief. Lament can help us navigate the wilderness of our grief. Because when we face pain and suffering, it will shape our hearts whether we want it to or not. It will shape our hearts and it will form us. And I guess the choice that we have is how we let it to shape and form us. I'm sure many of us can think of friends or family members or colleagues who have faced difficult circumstances and have ended up becoming angry and bitter because of them. I'm sure we can all think of people like that. Maybe you know yourself that that is how you have responded at points in your life when bad things have happened to you. You know, what you faced was unjust, maybe, or illegitimate, and you became angry about it. My wife and I, uh, Hannah... We're so blessed to have two wonderful daughters, Layla and Eliana, who are five and one. Um, this morning, just before I preached, I got a text saying Layla's shut her finger in a car door. So that was the equivalent of all the technical stuff going wrong tonight. So I don't know. Sometimes I think if everything goes wrong before, you think maybe there's some some important stuff about to happen tonight. She's all right, so you know, don't worry, she's okay. Uh, but yeah, so we have two wonderful daughters, but tragically when we were trying for number two before our second was born Hannah suffered a miscarriage and you know we don't talk about that a lot it's something that is, is private I also feel like it's something we should probably talk about a bit more because it affects an awful lot of people you know and it, it, and it was traumatic for us and the pain was, was real and coming out of that I had, well we and I had questions I remember sitting there just thinking why I remember thinking about You know, what would that child have been like? What would they have done? And I remember sitting down on my bed about four or five days later and I wrote a song. I wrote a song of lament. A song that gave a a voice to the feelings that I felt. And I've never done anything with it. It's still just sat in my pad. I don't think it's for anyone else apart from me. But in that act of lamenting through music, I feel like a level of healing came to my heart because it helped me express how I was feeling. And so crying is entirely natural. You don't have to teach anyone to cry. Babies come out the womb and all being well, you want to hear them crying pretty quickly. And that shows that they're okay. You don't need to teach anyone to cry, but I feel like we need to learn how to lament. We can all we know how to get upset, but do we know how to lament? Do we know how to travel that road of pain whilst also rooting ourselves in the goodness of God? There's a wonderful book on lament called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy by Mark Vrogop. And he says this, lament is the honest cry of a hurting heart wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. He also says this, Christians affirm that the world is broken, God is powerful and he will be faithful. Therefore, lament stands in the gap between pain and promise. To cry is human, but to lament is Christian. To cry is human, but to lament is Christian. And if, there's anything, if, there's, if you don't remember anything else that I say tonight, just remember that little line. If one of those lines that I think, well, I wish I'd thought about that, but Mark thought about it first. So just let that stick with you. As I said in the mornings, we're making our way through a series on worship. And in the build-up to that, I uh, was able to sit down on Zoom with Brian Dirksen, who's a really well-known vineyard songwriter, just a legend. He's written amazing songs. He's a deep well of uh, just knowledge and wisdom. And I've got a little clip to play for us because during that interview, he actually talked about lament uh, and, his, and I guess the place he thinks it should play in our corporate worship. So we're going to play the video and just have a quick, quick watch of that.
1: Well, I mean, I think every context is different, but one of the things I would say um, if we are going to unveil, if we are going to um, do it more like Jesus did it, then we have to accept a more full, fully-orbed uh, or what I sometimes call emotionally healthy uh, worship expression that includes everything from gratitude to the lament— to um, just quiet surrender, you know, like like there's, and when you look at the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, you see all of those things. You know, Jesus wept for suffering. Um, Jesus stepped into the middle of suffering, and our songs and our worship services should both symbolically and representatively. Uh, represent our whole life, right? And they should fuel and help us live the rest of the week out in in the spirit of Christ. And so what we say, what we sing, of course what we sing is so incredibly important because we remember it, right? But if we never sing our sadness or our grief, then we're saying when we experience those things, that they're wrong or they're bad or they're you know and that's not the case it's part of what it means to be human even Jesus experienced those things and Jesus on the cross of course quoted one of the most powerful lament psalms in the bible psalm 22 my god my god and of course when a rabbi quotes a verse that means they're quoting the whole thing they're not just quoting even that even though they're quoting one you know and you look at that song anyway it's just it's crazy when you look at Psalm 22. So I I just want to be an advocate for those things for um, you know this is there's a lot of tough things going on. I'm not saying that uh, we shouldn't be singing songs of praise and songs of gratitude, but we've got to also in the midst of that also sing, songs of honesty and and lament and model ourselves after how Jesus did it when we include lament, let's say or those honest songs in mix them in with our sets and our worship expression, we're affirming that we're not eliminating the paradox we're we're worshiping in the middle of it, right like, and that's the thing like we're in the middle of this thing we're all in this thing together right so it's what we do in the middle of it that matters and I think we have to find ways in the middle of what we're going through to say we're not in this alone we identify with suffering just like Jesus did Um, but we also identify with hope also because of who Jesus is right it's that paradox And I think sometimes, especially I would call more evangelical, charismatic kind of expressions of Christianity, has tried to eliminate the paradox, has tried to say it's just, it's just, it's just that, you know, it's like the local Christian radio station just across the line in the U.S. has a byline, you know, praise 1065, positive and uplifting and encouraging, right? It's like, it's like, well could it, could you add an honest song into that mix could you add a lament no way you know like right and i go well that's not real right like i don't know i just think in the gospel you see you have hope absolutely but you have realness too right and and somehow i think we're given we're being given an opportunity this whole thing is an opportunity for a little bit of a reset into something that's a little more honest, and hopefully has, has Jesus right in the center of it. And I, I, I still love singing that old, uh, old, I call it now Michael Fry song, which I helped kind of guide him through writing Jesus be the center, you know, be the source, be my light, Jesus, you know, be the fire, you know, like, yes, Jesus, And then when we, when we walk with Jesus, we start, He's with us in all of, the, all of life, all of the paradox of life.
0: I feel like we need to give him a round of applause, even though he's not here. We're going to be putting the whole thing on our podcast, so keep, you, keep your eyes out for that. If you're wondering, I actually ended up asking him, I said, Brian, you've got to tell me, what are all those jars behind you? Because it looks, it looks like you're running a bar at home. And uh, what it is, is with his daughter, he brews a sort of trendy... I think it's like a tea-based drink called kombucha or kombucha or something like that. So I said, I don't think that's made it to the northeast yet. So maybe there's a gap in the market for one of us to, to move into that. So don't worry, it's not like sort of moonshine or anything like that. He said he was quite glad that I'd asked for clarification, actually, so we weren't making our own minds up there. So we're talking a lot about lament. So I thought it would be good for us to make our way through a couple of quick examples in Scripture. Uh, and I, really, I want to explain to us tonight that there is a bit of a biblical pattern To lament that we can adopt in our own lives when we feel called into that moment ourselves and the pattern is this turn complain ask and trust turn complain ask and trust this is how I've taken that from from Mark's book which I mentioned before so we turn ourselves to God and that's such an important first step because when we feel angry or sad we can often turn to other things apart from God to medicate our pain to make us feel better. So you've got to address God and then we can set forth our complaint. The Bible is full of people telling God how angry, how sad, how upset they are. And I don't know if it's a British thing, but it just doesn't come naturally. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I want to be honest with God about how I feel and there's a little bit inside of me that's like worried about what will happen if I do it. You know, will he will he punish me? Will he withdraw himself? Will I miss out on something good that was going to come? But now I've just complained, and he's going, "Oh, sorry." And I, and I, and I, and it's hard. I think it's hard. And then we ask, we tell him what, how we're feeling, and we ask him to act. God, come and intervene in this situation. Come and heal this person that is sick. Come and bring me breakthrough in this struggle I'm facing. And then we declare his goodness and his faithfulness, and we declare that he is God. So let's begin by looking at Psalm 13, which I'll read to you. It's quite a short one. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him." lest my foes rejoice before, because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Now, it's a short psalm, but it's a, it's a really poignant one. And, and the complaints David puts forth are strong. These are strong complaints. This is the man who is king of Israel, the greatest king, a man, the Bible tells us, was a man after God's own heart. And he's accusing God of forgetting him. Hiding his face from him and letting his enemies exult over him. David was in deep conflict when he wrote these words. As I was saying, would you feel comfortable praying a prayer like that? I don't know if I would. Maybe I should. But we see he has turned himself to God. He is addressing God. He isn't turning away from God and saying, well, you, I'm not even going to engage with you, Lord. That's sometimes the response, isn't it? We get things happen that we don't understand, so we, so we blame God and we turn away. No, but David is addressing him. Then he complains. He doesn't deny his pain. He's honest about it. He doesn't have the stiff upper lip that maybe we're told to have. doesn't suppress his feelings. He's honest. He calls on God to act. He asks God to in, intervene. Consider and answer me, he says. He's turned, complained, and asked. And then we have this key part of the psalm, the hinge, you might call it. And it was on this bit that biblical lament rests and pivots. Because he could stop there. You could turn, you could complain, and you could ask. And you could stop at that point. But that's not what biblical lament does. Instead, we read that glorious little word, but... And if you read the word but in the Bible, it often means something significant is probably going to come after it. However is another one. Yet, that could be another one. And often we find these words in laments in the Bible, particularly in the Psalms. And then we see that intentional shift into trusting God no matter what we are facing. Writing this, I suddenly thought, we need to be people of buts. And then I thought, no, you can't say that. When I just did, so... <laughs> But the point remains that it is such an important thing for us. We need to be people that pour our heart out to God and we're honest. And then we say, but we trust you, Lord. We trust you. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. David's pain became a platform for praise. David's pain became a platform Praise. His lament was a prayer in pain that led to trust. Mark Vogrop says this, Lament pivots on God's promises. Lament pivots on God's promises. Maybe tonight some of you feel like you have stopped short. That you haven't been able to, to reach the but, the however, the yet. And tonight is an invitation for you. So once again, root yourselves in God's goodness. The second passage, and just the last one I want to look at, is from Lamentations. You couldn't preach about lament and not talk about Lamentations because it's all about it. You, know, you, can't, you couldn't miss it out. So we're going to look at Lamentations quickly. The background of this book is really important. So as the prophet Jeremiah wrote it, and he's reflecting on the destruction of Jerusalem. And he, he wanted to write down, so future generations would not miss the lessons that the people of God learned so difficultly in that dark moment. So we'd had David and Solomon on the throne, the golden years, but eventually the nation was divided into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom Israel, southern kingdom Judah, and the northern kingdom was led by wicked ruler after wicked ruler, and after ignoring repeated warnings from the prophets, Israel was conquered by Assyria, and this should have been a warning to the southern tribe, but it wasn't. And Judah eventually followed the same path of rebellion. Babylon would eventually siege Jerusalem. And eventually the city wall was breached. And Babylon sacked Jerusalem and burnt it down and took many of the people into exile. And, and this is what this book is focused on. It is a really, really sad read when you know the context of what Jeremiah is looking over. But amidst the pain of the book, in chapter 3, we come to the but. We come to the yet, the however. And in fact, some of my favorite few verses in the whole of the Bible are in Lamentations 3. And you think I'm, I'm weird, but I, on, I honestly sometimes struggle to read these out loud without, without sort of uh, tearing up a little bit. You can judge me if you want. It probably doesn't come as a surprise to those of you that know me. Um, but Lamentations 3, 21-24 says this. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. I won't read it again because I made it through that one. (laughs) And those words that Jeremiah wrote, this isn't a Hollywood movie. So it wasn't like there'd been some amazing turnaround in the last half an hour and suddenly they're all back and they're happy and he's writing that. He wrote these words looking over the destroyed landscape of Jerusalem. It would be like writing those words looking over the destruction of a tsunami. It would be like writing those words overlooking the result of a terrorist bomb. You think of the worst possible situation and this was it for the people of God. And still, Jeremiah wrote those words. And this is where lament can transform our hearts because not only does it give voice to our pain, but it anchors our heart in God's truth. I love that phrase, but this I call to mind. The Hebrew word for mind there is talking about the inner person, the heart, the soul. So here, Jeremiah is speaking to his inmost being. He's speaking to the very essence of his humanity. It's not an intellectual thing. It's not, oh yes, I remember this fact or this bit of trivia. He's saying, no, Jeremiah, you will call this to mind and you will take it into your heart. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And the Hebrew word for mercies here. It means compassion and it relates to the womb. Like a mother who cherishes her unborn child in her womb. Tender love and mercy. That is the reality of God's affection for you. Like a mother with her unborn child. And we're going to move into a time of response soon. And hopefully there will be pens on the seats and there's paper around. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to invite you to write your own lament. I'm going to invite you to write your own laments. So if the worship team are able, you can write yours later. Yeah, come on. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. There's also uh, there's paper, but there's also um, some like creative sheets. You can use them if that's easier, just whatever you want. You don't have to do this. I just wanted to give us space and permission to do it. And I really want to encourage you not to water down what you write. David didn't water down what he wrote. Lay out your heart before God in this moment. You know, is there something that you have been praying for for years and years, and you have not seen an answer yet, and you find it really difficult? Write it out. Maybe there's someone you know who is sick and in pain, and again, you have been praying for them, and you haven't seen a breakthrough, and it's difficult. Maybe you are sick or in pain, You know, maybe your marriage is broken down. Maybe you have a child who is sort of gone astray, so to speak, and it pains you. Then write it down. You know, your lament might be about something you've never seen in your life that you wanted to see. And as we do it, just remember those steps. Turn. Turn to God. And write down your pain, your complaint. And then ask God to intervene, ask God to move. To speak and to heal, to deliver, to comfort. And then the most important bit, finish it by pivoting on God's truth and his love for you, his faithfulness. You might want to take the words from Lamentations, great is your faithfulness. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. You might have a favourite verse somewhere else that you want to write. So let's just rest in this moment and we invite the Holy Spirit to come.
2: Um, Just as you're doing that, I had a couple of, well one word and one picture that I think is really relevant to this moment. and. I'll share the last, second one first, um, because I think it's more general. Um, And I just got a real sense of the pleasure of God, that as a church, as what Tom shared in our hearts, that we're pursuing both an honesty and a truth, that we're willing to go to those places in our hearts and our lives that are difficult, that are confusing, and grapple with that with the Lord. And, And there's a great pleasure in heaven because there's a realness and an honesty and a truth about that. And then, I, I was just, we had um, Frank and Joan over for a full kind of, well, I don't know what it was, it was kind of afternoons. it wasn't even... Blo- but anyway, the, the, we were talking about irrigation within um, gardens. And I just started to think about that irrigation. And a lot of irrigations can work with like pouring into this main pot and then it just filters through everything else, and I I just felt the Lord say that um, this whole thing of intimacy, this whole thing of coming to the Lord, it's like we're filling that that irrigation tank, and the promise of God is that it will filter through every part of life, but here's the thing that I just felt the Lord said for this moment, as you write this lament, as you pour your heart, your grief, your pain, your frustration out on a piece of paper before the Lord. It's like taking some of those irrigation channels and taking out the rocks that are stopping the water flowing into them. Because here's the promise of the Lord, as you do that, as you take it to the Lord, as you are honest with him, he will help you lift those rocks. And those places that have been dry and barren, maybe for years, maybe for decades, will once again find life and hope. This is a great thing. I really want to encourage you to go to the places that maybe you don't go to and let the Lord deal with your heart and your soul in this time of worship that we'll go on to in a moment. Thanks, Dave.
0: We also have an amazing team that meets to pray before the service, and they had a few words to share. I hadn't read it up to now, and the first one was Psalm 13 which is quite amazing really and um, they felt there's someone here who feels as David expresses they feel forgotten or hidden from God and the encouragement is to rely on who he is and not how you feel lean on his promises and who he, he is another picture was someone has had a slow uh, trickling flow from their hot tap in the bathroom for ages and then suddenly this week with no intervention it worked and became rapid again and there was a sense that this could be related to an outpouring of God's spirit and what has been maybe felt like a trickle will become a fast, fast flow someone f- uh, felt that God is calling us through the veil into a more holy atmosphere a new level of intimacy which we've not experienced before Judges 6 someone had uh, these verses but Lord Gideon asked how can I save Israel my clan is the weakest and I am the least in my family the Lord answered I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together and they felt like that you are hearing something God is asking you to do and you were saying God who am I to do this and they felt like God wants to remind you that you are a child of the king and you are anointed with his Holy Spirit and you are called to do what he is laying on your heart and lastly they felt there are people who have been trapped in a spirit of hurt and pain and tonight the lord wants to release joy again into your heart so if you're still writing then then just carry on but if not i just want to invite you to stand as we move into a time of worship